Welcome to Beyond Conventional Marketing, a marketing leader's guide to digital consumer experiences. You're about to hear an episode full of insights from marketing leaders to help you build meaningful moments and relevant digital experiences for your consumers. Join us as we hear from marketing leaders about their experiences with data and personalization, digital marketing trends, and expert advice on how to grow your business and connect with consumers. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Beyond Conventional Marketing. I'm your host, Anushka Lokesh, and today with me I have Johnny Russo, who is the Chief Digital Officer at Lamour. Hi Johnny, how's it going? Hello Anushka, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. So I'm excited about our conversation today, but before we get started, maybe you could tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Sure. So I'm uh, I'm Johnny Russo. I've been lucky enough to be um, in e-commerce for about 12 years and counting in, in digital for over 17 years now. Seems crazy to say that because I still feel still quite young. Uh, I'm from Montreal and actually graduated from uh, journalism at Concordia University. Moved to Ottawa for a couple of years and my first role was in marketing and I uh, kind of fell in love with marketing. So it kind of pivoted my, my career moved back to Montreal and, and took a, another marketing role at a uh, manufacturing uh, business. And thankfully, it was mostly digital focused. And this is back in 2006, so right at the, yeah. at the cusp of what was happening, you know, and, and e-commerce was coming up. But fast forward a couple of years, I uh, worked for a couple of startups and, you know, found a love for technology and said, okay, I love marketing, I love technology. And then I took a, a job at, at Buffalo Jeans. So the uh, jeans... Uh, Canadian manufacturer and, and obviously has a, a big U.S. presence as well. But uh, took a job with them in the marriage between tech and retail and, and digital, you know, and what we know as, as e-commerce kind of felt like it was my calling and was was perfect for me. And been in retail and digital and e-commerce ever ever since. And you know, got to work with some some great brands like Mex and Bentley. I uh, moved to uh, Calgary for four years to work for Marks and the Canadian Tire Corporation. Canadian Tire was out of Toronto. Marks and Sportcheck. Uh, Lakey Burst were experts in Quebec, but Marks and Sportchick were out of Calgary, so we worked in the same office and got to work on, on similar projects together, including uh, the, the loyalty program that, that launched a few years uh, back. And uh, and I'm currently the uh, Chief Digital Officer at Lamar. Oh, nice. So that is quite the experience that you've you've had. But as for what you're doing right now, could you explain what Lamar is and what you do? Sure. Yeah, the Moore is a manufacturer of, of uh, socks and underwear, uh, hosiery, basics. Sometimes we say, but uh, the Moore has several licenses for socks and underwear, including uh, New Balance, Pajara Bench, uh, Eddie Bauer, uh, Fruit of the Loom is a new one, tons of others. And the Moore also works directly with several retailers and big box stores, uh, either through a retail channel or through private labels. So Costco, Walmart, Joe Fresh, and some others. And the Moore also sells these licenses through Amazon. And a couple of years ago, they wanted to diversify even more and, and started to acquire their own direct-to-consumer brand. So fascinating company. And they didn't really have anyone to, to run these sites or brands. And when things started to scale, they reached out to me to, to help lead and, and build a direct-to-consumer division. So we have uh, six brands in a portfolio, which are Crooks and Castles, which is a streetwear brand, Thorlos, which is a performance sock company, Terramar Sports, Baselayer and Thermals company, Social Citizen, uh, Sweatproof T-shirts. We have Papi, which is a sexy Latino-inspired underwear brand. 
And we just built a new brand uh, called Within, which is, uh, we call it like our, our own basics marketplace of all the brands and licenses that Lamore owns and runs. And so I help out on the wholesale side on, and the brand marketing a bit. You know, my, my core focus is, uh, is driving digital growth for the company. Yeah, that's crazy that there's not only so many brands, but like so many different types of e-commerce, right? Because you have like the third-party e-commerce and then you have your own e-commerce. What was that journey? Was it like first a lot of these acquisitions and then kind of moving into your own thing? And what's the focus now too, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's you know, anytime your your core is something where where digital is not native, you know, aka wholesale, there is some change management needed. And, and it really starts with the top. You know, do, do the leaders and executives, or in the Moore's case, their family-run ownership group, it's a it's an owner, it's a family-run business, you know, do do they, does that leadership group support digital transformation? And if the answer is yes, and a lot of people will say it's yes, and then you you uncover some things and they're not willing to invest, not willing to move quickly, and they're, you know, not willing to to be first or second movers in it, you know, then you you uncover it's like, maybe they're not really ready. But if the answer is yes, uh, which in Lamore's case it was, you know, the next thing to do is is put a team in place. And, you know, digital transformation is aided by by a great technology stack, but you need the people and processes for it to to really come to life or, or else it's really just like good tech at a traditional company, right? It's just a good tech stack. And so, yeah, I have a, I have a framework that, that I use and that I've been using. And, you know, I, I don't know how much detail I want to go, go into we this. We love yeah. frameworks. <laughs> we love frameworks. <laughs> not everyone does. Not everyone does. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's really important because, as you said, like digital transformation is quite a complex undertaking, right? There's the, you know, the stakeholder side of it. There's the support side of it. There's the process side of it, the team side of it. So if you can distill all of that into a framework, I would love to hear it. And I'm sure everyone else would do. Yeah, and like, you know, uh, like this, funny enough how, how this came about, but like I started uncovering some things and while I was working for Mark, someone asked me to speak at an event, someone at 4C. Well, I'll never forget this moment. She's like, you got to talk about what you've done to transform the business digitally. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about a few things and she's like, you're really building something here and taking like a traditional brand and, and putting it digitally. And I said, yeah, it's kind of what I've been doing at the other companies too. And so I spoke at this event and then like I was in some other articles and stuff and I put together this framework and it's really five core pillars that I've done my whole career and kind of carry with me. And the, the five are education, partners, data and change management, culture and people. These aren't in, in that order. It really depends on the company you're in and, and, and so on. But like, you know, people say, you know, build a framework and, and process for growth. To your point, like people people say that like, hey, let's have a, a framework or a process for growth. And and then they might build it and then put it away or, or not really uh, follow. I mean, I have this printed out. I follow this. It's part of our three-year plan and our journey. But, you know, what does it mean to have a framework and a process for growth? And it needs to be anchored on, on something. and, and Maybe for all companies, maybe maybe this doesn't work. For the companies I've been in, it, it does. And it's really the prioritization you give each of these. But education, for instance, right? Ensure we create a continuous learning environment. Share our learnings across the team. See it change changes, right? Like we're in digital. Things happen very quickly. How do we educate ourselves? How do we stay abreast of this information? And by the way, I put a lot of onus on my own team to do it themselves, right? It's not just me. It's not just... 
handing them a book or an article or a link to read, like they, they have to make that effort too. If they say they're going to take a course this year, they're going to take a course. Yeah. You know? So education is a big part of that. Partners. Outline our future needs and ensure all agencies we work with and marketing technology we, we engage in are true partners in the process. Must be a win-win though, right? So I always go back to this point. Like if you're in a negotiation with a vendor or a partner or an agency, right? And you always need help. Even if you build things internally, you still need need help. But if you're in this situation with with a partner and at the end of it, you know, they give and take and then, you know, they come to you, just an example here, but like, uh, can you give us a case study or write a case study, read part of a case study and you say no, you're kind of like being a bit selfish on that end, right? So my partner and agency friends, uh, I have their back when that happens, but it, but it's just got to be a win-win. It's so much, it's such a friendlier atmosphere when it's a win-win for both partners and you build a relationship and, and they're there for you, right? Like we, we just you know, finish Black Friday, like boxing weeks all coming up. Yeah, like crazy. And it changes, right? <laughs> so you need your partners around this time in Q4. So, they, you know, you look out for them, they'll look out for you. Yeah. I think also when it comes to partnership, it helps if you have like good relationships to manage some of the complexities and the challenges that come up. All of those things become much harder if things are a little bit more transactional, no? hundred percent. And like, there's, there's a relationship, right? It's, we have a funny, like people say, no, you can do things online and everything. Like we have a, a, an aggregator of data that we use. Like we have six brands, right? We don't want to log into 55 different platforms every morning to get our data. So we have an aggregator and, and it's, it's basically online, right? You pay for this tool, you use it. And we had some issues come up about three, four weeks ago. And we said like, this is like the busiest time of year and you have these issues and you're kind of expecting us to like pay fully for the month and all. The, so we met with their management team and they explained us the issues. And we said, okay, understood. But this is our, our busiest peak and, and it's still not working as, as we yeah. expect. And we kind of worked together on like, okay, what are the, the discounts and rebates? How are we going to work together next year? What are we going to make it? You know, so it's that. It's like we could have just said, yeah, you know what? We're done with you. But no, we like them a lot. Yeah. Now we got on the phone with them. We put a face to this tech that we've ordered online, right, with a credit card. So, yeah, it's building those relationships that are, are paramount. And, and they'll remember us, right? So yeah. at least I hope they will when, when, when we need them even more. <laughs> the data and change management piece is an interesting one because I, I feel like if we build this without looking at the past and current and, and future data, it can fall apart. The other part of that is like, we're inundated with reports and data and, and, and spreadsheets. So it's like, how do you make a decision if you're drowning it? So experience is key, but the data makes decision-making easier. And if you take that approach, you just simplify all this AI, multiple reports coming through KPIs and all that. So, so data helps us manage through change, you know, whether it's a less reliance on paid media or, or one of our channels, we need more video content, how mobile page, you know, homepage can look email design cohorts, we, we look at all that and and data helps us drive change management, right? If, if we went to the team tomorrow and said, hey, we have to change all our whole email designs. Well, why? It's more work for us. Yeah, but here's what the data is telling us. Yeah. And, and story through data just makes it a bit easier. And then the, the last two have, uh, you know, people tied to them, but but for a digital transformation to be sustainable, culture must be, be front and center. You know, there's culture for a department, there's culture for a company, but the culture of being adaptive and curious and, and not accepting the status quo. If you accept the status quo in digital, good luck. Just really to you. You know, being positive and enthusiastic about what you do, helping each other, driving it like you stole it. One of my former bosses always said that, like, drive it like you stole the bus. Just go. 
speed and accountability. You know, like there's there's still accountability, so you got to be good, but but you got to be speed and digital. Yesterday, one of our brands was, was doing really well, but we thought we can get some some extra out of it. We launched a flash sale within 45 minutes. So the team on playing that together and, and it worked. And, and it's just that adaptation of speed and accountability. We don't have a lot of layers. It was easy to do that. You know, in other companies, doing that in, in four to five days might be tough. You know, so uh, very thankful where, where I'm at. And then the last one is, is just the most important of all, but people. The right people in the right positions will not only drive growth, it'll sustain that growth and have fun, right? Like that's that's a big, when I say people, like that's a part of it. Like there's a certain DNA that I look for, especially when interviewing for a digital employee or an e-com employee or a marketing employee. Like there's, you know, we talked about that status quo before, but like there's gotta be that, they, they love this, right? It's stressful and yes, it's hectic and yes, it's crazy. But but if they don't love that, I'm not so sure they're gonna, they're gonna be great on my team or for the company or in a digital role for that matter. You gotta love it. Yeah, that's super fair. And so when you're, you know, when you're talking about people and culture, what are some of the key success factors or things that you enable to like help this decision making and help things move quickly? I don't know if that was a great way of asking that question, but are you more referring like to to how we kind of set up goals or like work? And, yeah, and how- exactly. Yeah, so I think that's a better way of putting it is that, you know, when you're trying to create, you know, this environment for things to move quickly, then goal setting is a huge part of it because everybody kind of has to be moving in the same direction, right? Yeah. And and, and you got to know kind of what your what your path is for, yeah. for that week. And so and so we have six brands, right? So it's, it's not one, it's not, it's not two. So a lot of people are used to working with for one company, right? One one brand and one company, maybe two. Six can can be in, insane at times, but uh, if you ask the team, I don't think they'd have it ever, any other way. But for me, it comes down to prioritization. Like that's one thing I always ask my team. It's like, you know, if they're if they're feeling overwhelmed or, or something, I mean, like, okay, but what what are the priorities? I'm not asking you to do everything today. I'm not asking you to do everything this week. What are the priorities? Let's let's narrow them down, and then it's how you track those goals. So. Back to, to prioritization, right? Like, not everything can be priority one. Not everything can be priority two. Not everything can be priority three. So you or your boss just have to align and, and agree on on those. And and if you're the boss, then you need to be clear on one, two, and three. You know, what's a nice to have? What's a future ask when there's nothing to do and all is right in the world? Like, when when you do that? And then what when you expect or, or want those reports, items, tasks, homepage, banners to be changed, you know? Everyone moves at a different pace. So yeah, your team members likely each have their own way of doing things. Some are quicker than others. Some are more diligent than others. So you have to, to factor that in. But I, but I think prioritization is, is one. And then the other aspect is like how you track your goals. You know, and, and I, I think that's a, a key differentiator in, in really good versus like great is the tracking and the actioning of those. And I'll give you an example, you know, like, like if people are using post-it notes, right? Let's say, let's say they have hybrid, they work from home and they work at the office and they're using post-it notes. So they leave them at the office. It's like, then they work from home. Then they're like, I don't remember what, what the goals were, what, what my weekly goals. And then they, you know, I, I believe like there's personal and career goals that clash, not in a bad way, just like they mesh together, personal and digital and career. And it's all, it's all in one, right? It's a Saturday so like I do believe like having your personal goals kind of merge in them 
And so on the weekend, it's like, oh yeah, I had all these things to do. And now like the post-its are at the office. I don't know. So like whether it's Evernote or a Santa or a journal or a life purpose, they like, you know, I use this. Yeah. I carry it everywhere. It's a six month goal planner. Uh, it's called the life purpose playbook. And it's my system I've been using for probably four or five years now. And, and it, and it works for me. I'm not saying it works for everybody, but like find that system because you need to put these goals down and you need to track against them. And everyone, I feel like this could be another podcast, but everyone, everyone should have like goals for the year, right? These are like your New Year's resolutions, right? Everyone sets them and then they're, they're gone, like track against them. And then those yearly goals need to be broken down monthly, weekly, and daily. And in the daily tasks, you get your core out of the way first, before noon, you know, if you can, right? Life gets in the way, but, but you try to do what moves the needle first. And again, going back to what's my priority number one, because like, I don't know any boss in the world that if you do priority one and two and you don't get to nine and 10, I think they're going to be happy. Yeah, for sure. If you do nine and 10 and not one, like God, God bless you. <laughs> What if you could provide all of your consumers the most relevant digital experience? With predictive personalization at the heart of your digital marketing strategy, you can build meaningful relationships with consumers and grow your business quickly. Brainify's AI-driven platform can help you at any stage of your personalization journey. Whether you're looking to collect data, optimize customer journeys, or curate predictive personalized experiences, using one line of code, Brainify integrates with any marketing tool you already use in just two weeks. Ready to learn more about creating personalized digital consumer experiences? Connect with us at brainify.ai. What do you think is a reasonable amount of priority to have? Because like a lot of, for example, a lot of places that I've worked, there is prioritization, but there's no delineation of if you get to priority one, two, and three, that's okay. But, you know, eight, nine, 10, if you miss it, is fine. It's usually like you have to get to everything at some point in the next one week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, and I hear you. And, and and sometimes you're waiting for people and waiting for things. And, and what what bothers me most is like, okay, here are the priorities. Like they're set. There's one, two, three. Like they're, they're, let's say there's a top 20. They're all set. And then like someone, it's priority two, but there's like a bottleneck. So they're just waiting. <laughs> and then maybe they move to like priority 19 or they go back and it's like, Hey, if you're waiting, just go next priority three. Don't, don't wait for a bottleneck as an excuse. There, there cannot be excuses when you have priorities and you have so much work to do. Like digital is just like up next, right? Like what's next? What's next? What just broke? What happened ad hoc? So yeah, priorities, you know, like your boss has to, or your manager has to, has to be there setting them with you, right? There's, there's empowering, right? You, you take those tasks away and you empower your employees for sure. But like you you have to get on the same page with your boss and what's more important. And, and for us, there's like, especially this year. So we have a three-year plan, but but this year we, we want to focus on, you know, driving traffic, driving conversions and, you know, optimizing for anything on our digital marketing channels, you know? So we always like traffic and conversion, right? Are, are these priorities helping that. Now we've got some teams working on forecasting and reporting and other things, which all move the needle. But like, those are the priorities, like drive traffic, drive sales. So it's like all these maybe tasks that are lower funnel or maybe their priority like 11 and 12 for that week. 
if they don't get done, we met sales expectations. The team did a great job. We moved the needle. Okay, great. Next week they go, maybe they go into priority one or two, or maybe something else comes there. But they, if you look at this from a monthly approach from priorities and then break them down daily, if at the end of the month you do all those 20 plus others, it's a really good month. Yeah. That's a really good month. That's a great month. That ties in really well with what you were saying about goal setting because everything is very related. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, so there's two other things I'll add on that. Like what separates, I think I mentioned it before, but like the difference between a good goal setter and a great one is is action and prioritization. So if, if you think you've done this before and it hasn't worked, like ask yourself, like, did you really work towards your goals? Did you write them down? Did you break them down weekly? Did you break them down daily? Did you break them down hourly if you want to get to that? Did you track against them? Did you prioritize them? And usually the answer is no, because like everyone will say, yeah, I made a list. But but that's what separates the really good from the great is that actioning those goals, right? Like look at all the successful people in the world, right? They, they didn't just they didn't just sit there. They didn't wait. They, when the, when there was a bottleneck, they didn't just wait for something. They just they kept attacking until until they did it, you know. And and another trick that I use that, you know, could be stressful at times, but I try to jam-pack my mon- my Monday to Wednesday. So those first three days of the week, my meetings, all the stuff I have to do, big components are there. And I put in some ad hoc things just in case there's a lot of urgencies. But Thursday and Friday, then I get to think strategically, spend more time with the team, all the other things, the little things that I had to get done that, that you know, just needed to, to be done that I know needed to be done. I can spend them on, on there. So it doesn't always work out, but if it works out, you know, 60, 70% of the time where my Monday to Wednesday, all my meetings are, are wrapped up and, and spend a lot of chunk there, then it's, it's good. Yeah. That, I think I might start using that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs a system. Like that's part. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I got it on this like post-it note here, but like, I don't really follow it or, or plan against yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the things we've been talking about are very leadership driven. And I know you wrote a book about that. So would love to chat through some of the things that you believe strongly as a marketing leader and really help you with like your digital transformation role. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Like I can say I'm, I'm, an, I'm an author. You know, I was, I was in journalism and I graduated in journalism and did some some articles, I guess, for newspapers at the time and online blogs. But yeah, now I like I can I can literally like hold Hold the book in, in my hand, but it's, um, yeah, so the book is called Mastering Mindful Leadership. It's it's 105 Ways to Become the Leader Your Employees Need You to Be. And it was published uh, in the fall, so it's still uh, still pretty uh, fresh. Uh, the publisher of Manor House Publishing, so they, they did a great job. And and I say it is, but I, I hope it, uh, this book is about a new wave of leadership and, and, you know, one that examines what it takes to manage a team of individuals to get them to buy into a team concept to help inspire them, motivate them, get them to care and, and really do it with a respect and, and smile on your face. Like that's a big part of whether it's the book or just mindful leadership. Like it's, you know, it's, it's changed. Leadership's changed. It's, it's, it's going to come in many shapes and sizes and forms and, and so on. But like the days of like yelling to get your point across, ruling with a stern fist, you know, controlling your people, playing mind games with them, Focusing on the negative, never talking about the positive, you know, letting fear be your, your main leadership trait. Those days, I, I hope, are quickly becoming a thing of the past. And if, and if I could help push that in any way, I have, uh, I have done my job with, uh, with this book. And the reason it's 105, to be truthful, at first I said, you know, I'm going to write a 365-day leadership book, one for each day of the year. 
and uh, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. So I tried to like figure out a way to to pivot on that, and and I fit, felt one one five was the right number. One hundred five was the right number because theoretically you can action two of these trades each week, and you can, you know become the leader you want to be in a year, and the world that the leader needs uh, the world needs you to be, or you can work on these you know one a week for two years and then follow a two year plan because there are nuggets of actionable traits that you could you could really do it you know it talks about performance evaluation interviewing uh goal setting actually is a big part of that prioritization uh how not to be so yeah there's little nuggets for for everybody so it's not just for you know senior leaders it's for up-and-coming managers as well first-time managers as well so i hope it kind of runs the gamut of, of management and uh leading and building a team where did this all come from? Did it come from you having great leaders in your experiences or was it bad leaders and like a not to do kind of thing? Such a good question. I, I write about that a bit in my book. So for the most part, I've been really, 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 really lucky to have some great leaders. And, and one of my favorite pages I wrote was my thank you page where everyone that I had, everyone I reported to directly that had an impact on my career is in the book. There's a couple that I, I, I potentially maybe left out by mistake. I'm not sure. But uh, where I learned a lot on how not to lead yeah. and how not to be, 100%. And, you know, I, you know I, and I don't name names in the book, obviously. But, yeah, for sure, that's, that's a big part of life, I think, too. But, yeah, especially in management, you know, like early on in my career, like, you know, if you, if you get blamed for something, even if it wasn't your fault, but, like, called out in front of the group, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a time and place for that. And, and so I said, you know what? I learned early on. It's like, you know, if somebody does something wrong, take them aside, you know, talk to them and, and make sure they don't do it again, but but not to embarrass people in front of a group or something. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of nuggets I learned from what not to do on leaders. I remember writing notes just on my phone, like notes when this stuff would happen. So I would remember it. I had no intentions to write a book at that that point. Right. Always in me from the journalism days, but never an intention, just like writing things in my notes, I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that leader. I want to be this. And and then just like, you know, powerful books or, or authors that I read and being like, well, this is, I, I love this aspect. I'm going to try to my team. Or if a boss did something, I was like, I, I actually love how they, they just did that, you know? So I try to, to impart that in my, in the book, but also in my day to day. Yeah. Hope, you know, I'm, I'm still learning too, right? Like it, it's, it's hard to be the perfect leader and, uh, I'm, I'm trying in any every way, but like, yeah, I'm still learning how to how to be a good leader. What are some of the things that influenced you as a leader, aside from maybe some of the managers that you've had? Yeah, tons of books, tons of books. You know, I mentioned action before. Like, I think one of the things that drives me or or separates me, I guess, like uh, take that either way. But uh, if I read something that resonates, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna action it with my team in my life with my bosses right whatever that may be and and i like to try things and and if i can get one or two key things from every book because like you like i love to read right i like to read a lot of books and i'm sure a lot of people do it's very easy to read a book and then just like take the next one and then kind of forget some of that wisdom so i i try to get you know i'm not saying get 10 to 15 from each book but one to two key things in that book that i can take away write down and then practice when it's the right right time to do that. So yeah, books have have had a, a huge impact on my life uh, and my my career. And uh, I try to mix it up, right? I, I try to read like a lot of leadership books, digital books, sports books, personal development book, well wellness books, 
just to kind of get a well-rounded framework, I guess, for, for my own life. Do you have any recommendations? Oh, I've got hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> let's prioritize. <laughs> yeah, let's prioritize. So, I mean, like one of the, the, the books that had like the biggest impact, impact on my life was The Secret. Oh, yeah. Learn, you know, so like that's always like a contentious topic. Like some people love it or hate it. It's like, I don't know. I, I believe in the law of attraction. So it, it's worked for me. What can I say? And then some of the leadership books starts with why Simon Sinek has had a, a real impact on, on, on my career. I love listening to that guy. I could listen to him forever. But start with why was his best book by, by far. Robin Sharma is a, a Canadian author, actually, from, from Toronto. I think he's traveling the world now. But he had a book. It uh, doesn't get a lot of attention like his other ones, but The Leader Who Had No Title. One of the best titles ever, by the way. The Leader Who Had No Title is just such a such a great book, and it's just real success in, in, in business and life. And, and you know, the, the janitor could be a, a key person in the company. You know, it, it doesn't matter about the title. And I remember reading this book, and I maybe I was imagined, but I wasn't like the senior leadership team or anything like that at that point. I, I, I just resonated completely uh, with me. Talking about prioritization, there's a book called uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller. And if you want to know about time management or prioritization, I think that I'm going to give credit to Gary Keller because that book, he has a saying called, uh, do the frogs first. Get the stuff, that tough part that you don't really want to do, but that moves the needle. Do that the first part of the day. And I try and I try and I'm not going to say sometimes, right, people come to you with different things or there's an employee that needs to talk to you. And, you know, you're, even if your door is closed, like it happens. Right. So I'm not going to say I'm perfect at that. But for the most part, four or five days, four out of the five days, you know, 80 percent of the time I'm doing that big thing first and then I can move on. And, and that's such a powerful book. And, you know, another one on, on time. You know, combining agile practices with marketing. I thought it was one of the best books I've ever read, Hacking Marketing by Scott Brinker. So spend a lot of time, if you haven't noticed, on like time management and, and processes and, and, and stuff because there's one thing I've learned, no one's giving you more time. And the more responsibilities you have, raising a family, all that stuff, you have less and less time. So it's like, how do you use it? How do you use it and, and how do you get the most out of your day? Because we all sleep around the same we all eat around the same times, but like, you know, what, what do you got? Like maybe yeah. 14 hours to make a difference, 12 hours to make a difference in, in, in your life for that day. It's really how you use it. So I'm, I'm very conscious of, of time as a, as a currency. I know that's kind of overstated. People say that a lot. I try, you know, without going to the minute, I, I do prioritize a lot of my days and, and, and still have some fun. Like, like tonight I have a late supper and someone's like, how do you manage to do, to, to go for like, I, I don't know, I just put it into there and it happens. Yeah. <laughs> My schedule. <laughs> yeah, lots to be learned both, I guess, professionally and personally when it comes to time management. Always. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. Right. Well, thank you so much for sharing both from your experiences and then your your style of leadership with us. Is there any, I guess, if you had to give like one piece of advice to other marketers, other digital marketers, like what would that be? I have a feeling I know what it is, but I'm going to let you say it. <laughs> I'll have to guess what you think. No, I, I, like we're in digital and, you know, this is for anybody in digital or, or not. Outlearn the next person, whatever you want to be. If you're a specialist now, outlearn your other specialists on the team. If you're a manager, be a better manager than everybody else. Like, but not, And I'm not saying to undercut them in any way, right? You've got, you've got to lead respectfully back to that mindful leadership, but if if the if if you want to take a course 
it's a thousand dollars and the company's being like, ah, it's too expensive. You know what? Invest. Invest a thousand dollars. Because if you sit there and be like, company said no, I'm gonna watch Netflix now. I mean, okay, that that's okay, that's your decision. But if you outlearn your company, your counterparts, whatever, just keep learning. And don't don't use any of those excuses because like this thing called the internet, it's very easy to get information. It's quite cheap. Um, so, you know, some people say, oh, I don't, I don't like to read. That's fine. Like, like you're a podcast, right? Lots of podcasts to listen to. Uh, I don't have time for that. Well, then, you know, something's got to give there because yeah. learning takes time. Learning takes time. Even if you're reading a 10-minute article, 10 minutes of learning takes time. But you know, I would just say, like, outlearn. Outlearn people and, and you'll be okay. Yeah. Love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Johnny. It was lovely chatting with you. Great. Thank you. I've listened to some of your your episodes. They're great stuff, so keep it going. Thanks very much. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Conventional Marketing, a Brainify podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and share it. To learn more about creating delightful digital experiences, join us for the next conversation.